0: Girlfriends, episode number 310, six ideas for your best Lent ever. Hello, and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we are diving into Lent. Here we go. Ready, set, Lent. Can't wait to talk all about it with you. Let's go. Hey, girlfriend, how are you? Thank you so much for showing up. Thanks for being here and being part of this week's episode of Girlfriends. You know, I love to connect with you here. And today we are connecting about Lent because it has arrived by the time this show publishes. It's going to be right there, right in our faces, ready to go. Actually, ready or not, here we go. So let's talk a little bit about Lent. First of all, if you're not familiar with Lent, or if you're a convert to the church, or if you're not Catholic, or if you're looking for resources for Lent this year, Definitely go over to ascensionpress.com. There are lots of basic resources on um, their YouTube channel, on uh, various podcasts on the topic. Girlfriends Archives has uh, podcasts on the topic. There's so much there. Definitely, you're going to want to be checking out some of those most basic resources. But for those of us who are cradle Catholics, who are kind of old hat at this kind of thing, I think it's important too for us to revisit some of these basics sometimes because we can get kind of blah about our approach to Lent. Like, oh, here we go, another Lent. Oh, great. You know, like this winter wasn't dragging on enough already. But also, you know, just to remind ourselves encourage ourselves that there are resources available to inspire us and that we can take a different, a little bit of a different take on our Lent. We can make a different plan for our Lent. But, you know, before we dive into some of these kind of ideas that I want to share with you that you might consider this Lenten season, I want to share with you just some three basic ideas for Lent. Um, First is just keep it simple. When you're making your plan for Lent, like I know the temptation and I have done this where you can make this elaborate plan and you think, oh, I'm going to do all of the things. I'm going to reinvent myself. I'm going to improve absolutely every aspect of my life and I'm going to be transformed by Easter Sunday. And, you know, that's, that's great to have lofty goals, but be realistic and keep it simple in the actual commitments that you're going to make. Um, which brings me to my second point, which is don't allow yourself to get discouraged Um, maybe you want to, at the start of your Lenten plan, schedule some check-ins, maybe once a week, maybe on Sundays, check in with yourself or check in with your husband or um, check in as a family, like what are our Lenten goals? How are we doing? Are we dropping the ball in some places? Where can we recommit? And I think kind of planning ahead like that to not allow yourself to get discouraged and have some check-ins in your Lent makes a lot of sense because this is just human nature. I mean, 40 days is a long time. (laughs) So um, if you're doing something difficult, I think having some check-ins along the way and maybe readjusting some of your goals or what some of your plans are will make sense along the way and finding a way to do that. And then one last note I want to make before I, I dive into some of the more specific ideas I want to share is one of the ways that I find it really helpful to keep it simple is to just look at those three basic tenets of Lent, which are prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And Make a commitment in each of those categories. It can even be a very small commitment, but that's kind of a nice way of making sure you're kind of making a balanced approach to your Lent And just whether you're doing that as on your own or talking about it as a couple, you know, each year in recent years, Dan and I sit down before Lent, and I've got a Google Doc (laughs) that I will just fill in with what our Lenten commitments are. We talk about it together. I find it's really helpful to me to have that conversation with Dan because he kind of holds me in check. Like, um, no, you know, you probably you probably shouldn't say you're going to do that seven days a week. Maybe maybe say you're going to do that two days a week or something like that. And it's to have those conversations and especially with regard to the commitments we might make together as a couple or as a family. And you know what I love? I love having the Google Doc because uh, I make a new one for each year and then I can go back and I can look at what we, we did last year. Also, it is helpful for some of those check-ins throughout the Lenten season. Like, okay, what did we say we were going to do? And do we need to adjust it? Kind of looking back, you can be very specific and hold yourself accountable in that way. All right, so those are some of the basic ideas I wanted to share with you, but I also have six, um, a little bit more specific ideas just to kind of get you started thinking, like if you haven't even begun thing number one to make a plan for Lent this year. If these are some ideas that I wanna share with you that are just very doable and maybe um, a little bit a little bit creative or or might inspire you in a very specific way. So first, choose a book. Now, this is something I actually have never done, which is Choose a book you just want to use all through Lent. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I've used prayer journals that are specifically designed for Lent. But choosing a a spiritual book... Perhaps a traditional spiritual classic, something written by one of the saints. I mean, for sure, you could read something like True Devotion to Mary and make a commitment to reading just that during Lent or Introduction to the Devout Life um, by Saint Francis de Sales, something along those lines, or you know, some other saint that you you really appreciate their writing. Maybe you enjoy something by Fulton Sheen or something that is written, you know, by Saint Augustine, or there's so many opportunities. There's so many spiritual classics to choose from. So, maybe something along those lines. But what I like about this idea is to pick one book because sometimes we can get overwhelmed you know i just mentioned all those resources right that are that are available at ascensionpress.com at catholicmom.com at danielbean.com uh, go to all these places and you have all these resources but sometimes that's overwhelming there're too many things and it's nice to just maybe say i'm going to focus on making my way through this book thoughtfully, prayerfully, reflecting on it, bringing it to my prayer time, making a commitment to, you know, complete reading it or whatever section of it you want to do during the Lenten season. But making that plan, like maybe breaking it up chapter by chapter or section by section, and just choosing a book for that to be your theme for Lent, I think is a really great idea that can keep you in a very simple way, focused on your, your Lenten journey, focused on growing in holiness throughout the 40 days that lie ahead. You might like to use a more modern book. And for sure, there are tons out there that you could choose from. Um, Father Mark Mary Ames, who was on last week, has a great book, Habits for Holiness, that I really recommend. Super practical, super accessible. And going through that, through the Lenten season, would be a really, a really great way to make a commitment to actually growing in holiness during Lent, I've even heard from some women's book groups that are using some of my books, using Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday for their Lenten series that they're going through together. Also, You Are Enough, my my other book, my book that's focused on stories of women in the Old Testament, is a popular title that women like to do during Lent. One of the first retreats that I ever did, based on the themes in that book, was right at the end of Lent. It was um, right before Easter, and it was a women's group in um, Denver who had gone through the book together, and that was such a joyful thing to be able to connect with those women and share about some of these stories of women in the Old Testament and really connect in real ways about some of the themes in that book. And what a beautiful way to go through your Lent together is, you know, focused on some of those those virtues and strengths that we have in common as women and affirm that in one another and learn to see those strengths in our own stories by reading stories of women in the Old Testament. But You don't have to choose you are enough. You can choose whatever book by a saint or a spiritual classic that really speaks to you. Maybe you've had one on your to-read list for a long time, and this Lent 2022 is going to be the time that you actually do it. Um, I, I love the idea of doing that because it automatically simplifies your approach to Lent if you're just really focused on going through a book and making that your theme for Lent. So, that's my first idea for your Lent this year, possibly choose a book. All right, the second one I want to encourage you to think about are acts of kindness, little things. You know, like St. Thérèse in her Little Way. You know, she says, you know, I can't do these great big things, but I can do small things with great love. And St. Mother Teresa is another great example of that, a great saint who leads us in just the her example of small acts of kindness that add up to something truly meaningful and doing them for the love of god so lent is an opportunity to really be more deliberate about doing that of course we all should be doing small acts of kindness all day every day uh, but making a commitment perhaps to doing one small act of kindness that you wouldn't normally do every day this lent uh, i really love this idea kind of brainstorming ahead of time and maybe just writing down 40 of them and going through them day by day this Lent. Some ideas, if you don't know what I'm talking about, but I mean, most people are familiar with that concept of random acts of kindness. I like to think of them as not random. I like to think of them as intentional acts of kindness meant to be acting out the the love of God for other people. But you know, just giving someone a compliment is an example of a, a small act of kindness that you can add to your day costs you nothing. And yet, how many times do we hold ourselves back from just giving someone a compliment from, you know, saying something that's going to encourage somebody else? And we just keep quiet. We think like, oh, they don't want to hear from me. Or sometimes, and this is this is even worse, there are times we hold back from complimenting others because we feel like it takes away from us in some way right? Telling somebody that, you know, they, they do something particularly well or that they look beautiful or something. We feel like there's sort of a scarcity mindset there. Like we can't be building up other people because that that's going to be tearing us down. That's going to come at our expense. But I, I find that being intentional about giving compliments to other people and looking for opportunities to give genuine, not, you know, superficial things that don't really matter, but looking for ways that you can give authentic compliments to other people. There are always things we admire about other people. You could use that as a trigger to become competitive or jealous, or you can use that as a trigger to become generous and give glory to God. Give thanks to God for that beautiful gift he's given to this other person, or a talent that he's given them, or something, you know, that they do especially well. And, Speak out loud the things that are good and true about other people. That's a, a really simple way to um, enact a, a small act of kindness. Other things you can do, small surprise gifts for people in your workplace, for people in your home, for your neighbors, for your kid's teacher or whatever, even just in your own home, doing somebody else's chore, like taking out the trash when it's not your turn or um, you know, not grumbling about picking up all the, the towels that are left on the bathroom floor or whatever it is looking for small ways that you can do those little things with great love. So you might give yourself an assignment, maybe in a more general way of doing it each day, or you know, maybe the idea of like being generous in some way, either leaving money for somebody or giving a very generous tip to somebody, or, you know, we all have these opportunities to be generous in this way, in these kind of unexpected ways that can bring joy to somebody else, can bring encouragement to somebody else. If you're looking for like just a big brainstorm of ideas, there are tons of them available online, really. Just Google like random acts of kindness and you'll get a ton. And you might you might fill out your your schedule ahead of time, like write on a calendar, like what you're gonna do each day. Or you might just keep that list and check in with it each day and make sure that, you know, picking one that makes sense for you to do that day. And I would really recommend that you you keep track of your, your acts of kindness, and that will kind of keep you on track. And just a small way to kind of show how over 40 days, those small acts of kindness will change your attitude, your approach to your life, your approach to other people, uh, your approach to your work, your approach to your marriage, to your family. I, I, I promise you, you're, you're going to be encouraged and you're going to be surprised uh, by the ways that small acts of kindness can really change you. All right, the third thing I'm going to suggest, and you know, this is not some genius inspiration I had. This is something many people consider during Lent, but I want to remind you of it, is to make a volunteer commitment. Now, this might be a one-time commitment during Lent. You know, pick a day and your family is going to volunteer at the soup kitchen, or you're going to help out at the thrift shop that um, supports charity or something like that. Um, But maybe... You want to consider this year doing something you've never done before. Maybe getting outside of your comfort zone a little bit. Maybe volunteering at a a pregnancy center. In your community, probably not immediately working with people who who are in need of help because I think there's some training that's involved there that you'd need to get involved in. But maybe seeing if there's something behind the scenes you can do to get started supporting an organization like that, whether it's um, collecting baby items and and clothing or diapers for them, or organizing things or fundraising for them in some way. Uh, find a way to get connected with people who are already doing good things in your community. One other volunteer idea that I always mention because I used to work in a nursing home uh, shortly after Dan and I were married. I worked for a couple of years in a nursing home that had all different levels of care from you know people that were living very independently and um, needed help with just organizing programs and activities and getting out and that kind of thing, but then people who were really confined to their rooms uh, for health reasons in in a nursing home um, receiving you know twenty four hour care. And I saw so much need there, so much need just for basic human connection. And that's something I will never forget. And it stayed with me. And I always encourage people to consider even just making a one-time visit to a nursing home. Call up the programs director at any nursing home and ask how you can help, how you, you know, you might be able to volunteer, if, if there's somebody there that you might be able to visit. And you know that is such a gift you cannot put a price on it just spending 15 20 minutes sitting with somebody talking with them holding their hand even somebody who isn't fully aware of their surroundings perhaps i you know i've seen this and i've done this and it's a beautiful opportunity to witness to the dignity of human life in all of its ages and stages when we talk about being pro-life, a lot of times that we focus on the unborn, and for good reason, of course, but it equally applies at the other end of the cycle of life, and so many people in nursing homes are alone, and they would love to have a 15-minute conversation with you where you ask them about their past, and um, some of them are memory-impaired, some of them have various forms of dementia, but they they all still do have that basic need for human connection. And that's something that you could volunteer to do. And, you know, like I said, this might involve getting out of your comfort zone on some level. One thing that I used to love when I was working in that capacity was people who would volunteer to come in, either just to visit with people, but that might make you break out in hives, like, I can't just walk in and have a conversation with somebody. Um, But one way that really worked to kind of break the ice was, we had young people, sometimes like a school or, you know, a religious ed class that wanted to come in and do something. And what we would have them do is we would have the young people, we would pair them up with an older person and have them write letters for them. And um, this was a really great activity because it was interactive. It was a way to really help because a lot of these older people either have vision problems or they're hands don't work in the same way that they used to and they they're not able to write letters um, but it's a nice way to help them to be connected to people and so volunteering to sit and would you like me to write a letter you know to someone in your family and I found that was a really helpful way to break the ice between people and begin conversations about things but also just a very practical help for somebody who might want to send a letter or send a note card or send a thank you to somebody it's it's a nice way to volunteer so just putting that out there in case it speaks to your mind speaks to your Heart a little bit, something that you might consider making a commitment to do, even if it's just one time. I'm not saying, you know, you need to make a volunteer commitment and be there three days a week, you know, all through Lent. Maybe just make a commitment to doing this one time, exploring what this might look like for you and opening up a new door to a new way that God might be calling you to serve the people that are right there in your community. Okay, next up, the next idea I want to share with you to consider taking on this Lent is to journal. Now, some of you journal all the time. You keep a prior journal, you love it, but I'm not one of those people. But there was one Lent where, um, well, actually a couple of different Lents where I journaled in different ways and I found it really helpful. One way that was really nice was I kept a journal one Lent writing to my husband, Dan, every single day. And it was a really challenging thing, first of all, making the space to do that and thinking about what I might write to him. And and then it made a beautiful gift that Easter to be able to give him that journal that I had kept with thoughts about our past, thoughts about our future, things I appreciated about him, um, little things that happened during those 40 days that I, I wanted to thank him for or memories I wanted to keep. And uh, that was a really great thing. So you might consider doing something like that. That could be a really beautiful thing that you could do for your marriage this Lent. Also, there was another Lent where I kept a very intentional uh, prayer journal where I was keeping track of the people that I was praying for and the intentions I was praying for. And I hadn't previously done this, like writing things down and each day being very deliberate about offering up for that particular person, for that particular intention, um, whatever fasting I was going to do or whatever sacrifice I might be making for Lent on that day. Having the chance to just kind of chronicle and keep track of the people that I was offering these things up for was really a beautiful way to go through that Lent. So think about a way that you might... Write things down, keep track this Lenten season, keep a prayer journal of some sort. Maybe you want to write a journal to one of your children. Uh, Maybe you just want to write it for your own purposes. Maybe you want to write a journal to one of your parents or something that you're going to share with somebody or something that's going to be just very private and just for you. I think keeping a journal, especially if it's not usually your habit, is a great way to kind of set the Lenten season apart and really keep track and and be really reflective about the ways that you're progressing and the the commitments that you're making and your your journey this lenten season it can be hard sometimes because change happens in small ways and our our ideas and our our thoughts and our approach to prayer can shift in subtle ways that can be hard to recognize, even over the course of just 40 days, if we're not writing them down, if we're not tracking them in that way. So keeping a journal of some sort can be a really beautiful way to be intentional about growing in your your spiritual life during the season of Lent. And then, like I said, depending on how you do it or who you focus on with it, it can make a beautiful gift for somebody that you love, somebody that you care for. A beautiful gift that's going to encourage and enhance and nurture a real relationship that you care about. All right, next up, the fifth idea I want to share with you for Lent is to clean something out. This might mean a major project, This might mean, you know, you've been avoiding cleaning out your garage or cleaning out your bedroom space or a a kid's room or the attic or your basement. Like it might mean an epic job like that, that you've been avoiding. Lent is a fantastic season to do exactly that. But even, even, you know, outside of that, maybe you just want to make a plan this Lent, you know, look at the six weeks that lie ahead and pick one space in your home for each of those six weeks. Some some spaces you might consider would be closets, would be uh, kids' bedrooms, or your pantry, something along those lines that tends to get cluttered in your home. Uh, Maybe a toy room, a kid's room, um, some of your closets, some of your wardrobe you might want to address. And I would say picking a different one of these areas in your home. I think years ago, I used to follow the Fly Lady. Maybe some of you are familiar with her. And she was just this real, and I think she still exists. I, I don't follow her anymore. But she was just really back to basics, kind of like organization, getting your home clean kind of thing. And she was just a really, Encouraging, positive person. And she used to call these, I think she called them hot spots in your house <laughs> where clutter tends to collect. And we all have them, whether it's your kitchen countertops or um, an end table in the living room or your dining room table for some people, you know, and just these hot spots where things do tend to pile up and people tend to just put things. Maybe picking what your hot spots are, some of them big, some of them smaller, and focusing on a different one each week. And then really challenge yourself to get rid of some stuff. Every single one of us has too much stuff. We all just have too much stuff. This is we live in a culture where there's just so much stuff and you you may or may not be a fan of Marie Kondo and the what's it called the magic art of tidying up. I believe it's called. But just to let go of some of your stuff. And in a way that might even be a little bit, a little bit uncomfortable for you. Some of us are, are more inclined to be, you know, people who hoard things than other people. We like our stuff. We're more pack rats than other people. But just pushing yourself a little bit. Because Lent is supposed to be a season of simplification, of sacrifice, of penance, of learning to let go of some of these things that we have, whether they're our own habits or our own comforts in some way. Um, But just really this idea of letting go some of the material goods in our lives that we might be maybe just a little too attached to, um, where places where God wants us to grow, places where God wants us to trust in Him, he might be inviting you to let go of some of your stuff. And that might mean like kids' toys. It might mean kitchen appliances. It might mean clothing that you're holding onto or books that you're never going to read or kids' items from many years ago. It really is a very spiritual process, I find going through spaces like these, and just really getting in deep to the corners, you know, like we're meant to do in our own souls, that kind of cleaning out that decluttering that's meant to be happening during this Lenten season that doing that in our living spaces in a physical way is a beautiful way to parallel that spiritual progress that we're meant to be making during the season of Lent. And it can be very challenging. First of all, it's just work, right? This is why we avoid it. This is why those, those places sometimes become overwhelming tasks for us to get through. But it's also just a, a, a really cleansing process of learning to let go, learning the proper place for material goods, giving thanks for the many things that we have in the material blessings that we enjoy, and then having the opportunity to let go of them, either if they're no good anymore, you know, to the landfill or recycling them or sharing them with somebody else who could use them. How many things do you have that are taking up space in your home, taking up mental space in your mind, taking up place in your heart that are no longer useful to you? that you don't use and that somebody else could benefit from, whether it's clothing or books or toys or appliances, other items that you still see as valuable, and yet maybe they're not valuable for you anymore. So that's another idea that I want to encourage you to think about. And really making a plan to do it, I think is key. You know, right now at the start of Lent, making a plan which spaces in your home you might tackle in this way each week, and then checking in with yourself each week. You know, what's my next my next space? How did I do with the last space? Am I making progress here? I, it's a really good challenge. And this is something that your whole family can get involved in, uh, especially kids, you know, setting that example for them of going through your spaces and saying, you know what, these are these are toys that you don't use anymore. There's another child who might love to have this toy. Let's think of who we might give this to that might enjoy this or a way that we might donate this so that somebody else could benefit from it beautiful gift of example that you can give to your child. And they can be a part of that process. They can be a part of that process too, in recognizing sometimes the attachment that we have to things and learning to let go. That doesn't mean, you know, getting rid of your child's favorite teddy bear, or that kind of thing. (laughs) Let's be gentle about this. But, you know, having those conversations with your kids, beautiful opportunity to be teaching them about the proper place for our material possessions in our hearts and our minds and our souls and our lives but also teaching them gratitude for the many things that we have. We are all really blessed. Every person who lives in this country, even if you're not in the US, you know, we all have so many material blessings and the temptation is to take it for granted. In fact, that's the default that we'll wind up in if we're not more intentional about it. So cleaning out some of your spaces and giving away letting go of some of these things is a beautiful practice that will help to simplify your approach to life and even your approach to prayer during the Lenten season. All right. The last idea that I want to share with you is make your plan with somebody else. Don't just do it on your own. Of course, you can have your own Lenten plan. But like I shared at the beginning, I I like to do this together with Dan. We like to have these conversations at the start of Lent, know what each other's plans and goals are so that we can be supportive of each other. But you might just get together with a friend and talk about this. It can be really helpful to have other people's perspectives, Um, especially if you're talking to your husband or you're talking to a close friend. Sometimes they have perspective on your life um, that can help keep you grounded when you're making your Lenten goals, or that might challenge you a little bit when you're making your Lenten goals, or might remind you of that Lent years ago where you gave up coffee and that was a bad plan, Um, you know, or might tell you that's, that might be too much for you to take on or encourage you to take on a little something more. You know, we can have these conversations and it's so helpful to have outside perspective from somebody who knows us, but then you have that accountability that's really built into the process if you make the plan together. Um, Also, if you have a family, making this plan together as a family, I think is so important. Having this conversation, you know, for years here, we've always just not done any sweets, any sugary snacks and that kind of thing during the Lenten season. And we do that together as a family. And talking about it ahead of time is helpful, but making sure everybody's on board with that. There have been some years where as a family, we've decided, you know, not to watch certain television on certain days or something like that, limiting how how much kids are playing video games or whatever. But making that plan together as a family, I think make sure everybody's aware of it ahead of time and you can be checking in with one another. It holds you accountable, but also reminds you that none of us is alone. Like we are a church and we're meant to be a community and we're meant to be supportive and encouraging of each other on our path toward heaven. That's our goal, you know, together with your your spouse. That's your goal. You're supposed to be trying to get each other to heaven. And Lent is a time to be even more intentional and even more specific about the ways that we are seeking to do that with and for one another. So make that plan with somebody else. Share your plan with somebody else. All right. Those are my six ideas. First, choose a book, maybe. Number two, Maybe do some acts of kindness each day, little things that add up to a great big change in you by the end of the Lenten season. Uh, Three, make a volunteer commitment in some capacity. Number four, look for a way to journal your progress and maybe make that a gift to somebody else. Five, clean out some spaces in your physical surroundings. And number six, make your plan with somebody else. But you might have some ideas for Lent. Let me know what your goals are this Lent. Inspire me. I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email, danielle at daniellebean.com. I am danielle Bean on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Would love to connect with you in those places as well. All right, we've got more of the show coming up for you in a moment. But first, a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you're listening to The Girlfriends Podcast.
1: Okay, here's the gut check right here. Because if nothing changes, nothing changes. Do you want to be holy? And do you want to be an instrument of renewal in this world? And if so, do you believe it's possible? Do you know what it looks like? Do you know where to begin? Because if nothing changes, nothing changes. My name is Father Mark Mary. I'm a Franciscan Friar of the Renewal. And I wrote a book called Habits for Holiness. And it pulls from over 800 years of Franciscan tradition, wisdom, and experience of radical and total discipleship in the midst of the world, but in a way which begins with little steps and works not only for religion, not only for priests, but for everybody. The change you desire is possible. The conversion you desire is possible. The renewal you desire is possible. The healing you desire is possible, and it begins with little steps. So to guide you on your way and to help you make the next best step of renewal in your life, I'd invite you to pick up a copy of my book, Habits for Holiness. God bless you.
0: Welcome back. This is the point in the show where I like to share some listener feedback or a listener question. And um, this week, I'm going to share a question that I got from Kate. And I replied to her by email back when she first sent this, but I thought I would share this here because it's an important topic for us to talk about as women, especially as we're approaching the season of Lent. And um, here's what Kate wrote to me. She said, Hi, Danielle. I've been listening to you on the Girlfriends podcast for several months now, and I really enjoy it. Definitely something I look forward to each week. Quick question for you. I would like to begin fasting in some capacity in this new year. I have a less than ideal attachment to food in particular, and I want to break away from that in order to draw closer to God and make reparation for my own sins and those of the world around me. However, I am a mom, and I do all of the cooking in my household. I am a from-scratch cook and manage a large vegetable garden in the summer, so food preparation and preservation is a large part of my week. Do you have any advice for me in order to maintain my lifestyle but curb temptations to snack and find a fasting habit slash routine that is challenging but still possible? Other helpful information, my husband is 100% in favor of fasting alongside me, but he doesn't struggle with the attachment to food that I do, nor is he surrounded by food and kids eating to the extent that I am. I'm also currently pregnant, baby-due, in May, but I I don't want that to be an excuse not to fast at all. Lastly, I'm the kind of person who thrives on a challenge, normally speaking, and generally keep high standards for myself. But snacking is my big weakness. Thanks and God bless your day, Kate. Okay, now, I already said I got right back to Kate and I'll share my response to her here. So, First of all, just gigantic red flag, okay? And I hope you heard it when she's going through, you know, saying all these things, all good things and good motivations, and she would like to begin fasting. And yet, she says she's pregnant. (laughs) Like, no, nope, I'm sorry. No, I'm glad you have an interest in fasting. But fasting is not for you right now. And, you know, referring to pregnancy as an excuse for not fasting, it's not that. It's a real reason to not fast. Your growing baby needs proper and regular nutrition to thrive. So, any person out there who is pregnant, who is breastfeeding, please don't make a plan for fasting this Lent and don't think of it as an excuse or a cop out if you're not able to fast for those reasons. So I just want to encourage people. I think sometimes we get so caught up in these lofty ideas, the ideal we see or the spiritual goals and it sounds like Kate is very much the kind of person who has that type A personality. She says she thrives on a challenge. So good that you can recognize maybe an overattachment to food, but this is not going to be the solution while you are pregnant and and you know possibly for a long while yet, especially if you you nurse your baby that fasting is not it's not part of what God's plan is for you this this season at all. Um of course, that said, there are ways, of course, that you can focus on healthy eating if you don't um generally aren't making good choices with the kind of snacks that you're having fasting from, you know, non-nutritious kinds of snacks or the, you know, junk food and that kind of thing can be a really helpful thing for you to do. And that's perfectly acceptable for a pregnant person to do. It's in fact encouraged for a pregnant person to do that. So fasting from junk foods and really looking to give your baby proper nutrition. Um, But eating throughout your day is really part of your job right now. So um, I don't think that you should be thinking about fasting in any capacity until you are no longer pregnant and no longer breastfeeding. And and for those of you who are hearing this and you're discouraged because you know maybe you used to do all kinds of fasts and that kind of thing and now you're in your childbearing years, just just know that God has a plan for you in every season of your life. He has a plan for you this Lent, um whether you're pregnant or not. I've had entire Lent's where I felt like my my Lent was just the fact that I was pregnant. Either I was hugely pregnant and struggling in that way, or I was in the early stages of pregnancy uh, and just you know vomiting every 10 minutes. And that's its own kind of penance, right? So I think just knowing where you are, and this is, I'm speaking in a general sense here, knowing where you are, knowing your state in life, and being open to the way that God is calling you to grow in virtue in the coming weeks, is what it's all about. And that's a very specific thing. And sometimes we can look around and we can get distracted. and We can say, oh, fasting is a great thing. And yeah, it's a great thing. And it's a great spiritual practice. And for sure, there are there's going to be a time in your life where maybe you can get back to that. But if you are pregnant, or if you are breastfeeding right now, that's not part of God's plan for you this Lenten season. Uh, but there are plenty of ways to, quote unquote, fast without going without food you can fast from a television, you can fast from, you know, what, whatever little creature comforts might be part of your day. But I really want to encourage people to recognize the, the state you are in life and embrace it. That's what God wants from you. He doesn't want all of these fancy things you know, um, he he desires love, not sacrifice. That's something I, I try to keep in mind, because sometimes we can make it, at least in our own minds and hearts, all about that kind of outward show of sacrifice. And And Lent is a season where God is really just desiring our hearts. He wants us to grow in love. He wants us to love him more. And that might mean, in a very simple way, just learning to spend more time in quiet prayer, spend more time allowing ourselves to sit in his presence and grow in relationship with him. All of these fancy outward things, as appealing as they might be, or as they as much as they might give you a sense of accomplishment or achievement, they're often not the ways that God is really seeking to help us to grow in relationship with him. And um, we often make it more complicated than it needs to be. We make it more of an external thing than it needs to be. And um, I just want to encourage everybody listening, regardless of what's going on in your life or what your state in life is, is to be aware of where you are right now, what your state in life is, what your duties and responsibilities are right now, and just look in the coming weeks to be more open to what God's plan is for you right there in the midst of that, being faithful to your vocation. All right, that's all the time we have for this week, but I want to thank you for being here. It is a privilege and it is a joy to connect with you through the Girlfriends Podcast. And I'm so grateful that you are here. I don't take for granted the fact that we all have many duties, responsibilities, obligations, many ways to spend our time. And it just means the world to me that you spend some of your time right here with me each week. So thank you for that. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week.